0: Welcome, I'm your host, John Carter, and you are listening to The 919, the only podcast dedicated to telling the stories of the over 1.5 million people living within the Triangle. On today's pod, I talk with Catherine She is actually the curator of animals and assistant director at Carolina Tiger Rescue over in Pittsburgh. She's very passionate about taking care of wild animals and educating people about them. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to be in Pittsburgh talking with her in person, but I was able to record with that app I used a few episodes ago on my phone. So I record over the phone. Sound quality isn't perfect, but you can still hear, and I think uh, you can still make out what we were talking about. So again, as always, if you think you're interesting, or you know someone who is making an impact and transforming the 919 for the better, Please let me know by emailing me at the 919 podcast at gmail.com, or you can always connect with the show via Twitter or Facebook. Again, I'm hanging out with Catherine Bertok. Let's get started. Okay, so I'm on the phone here with Catherine Bertok. She's the curator of animals and assistant director at Carolina Tiger Rescue here in uh, Pittsburgh, North Carolina. So, Catherine, thanks for being on the 919.
1: Absolutely, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, sure thing. Well, you have a very cool job, and I I want to spend plenty <laughs> of time talking about it. Uh, but first, can you share more about maybe who you are, uh, how you arrived in the triangle, and then what got you here?
1: Gotcha. So, um, I am born I was born in Tweed, Ohio, but we came down south when I was much younger. Um, and once I was ready to go to college, I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to work with animals, but I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to go about that. Um, everybody said, oh, go to this school, but I have no interest in, in doing veterinary work. Um, so I went to NC State for a zoology degree, um, and while I was there, somebody mentioned um, at the time we were called Carnivore Preservation Trust, um mentioned this place that had tigers in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. I had never heard of it, um and they said they do internships. I thought it might You're be like kind of a, me up. right I was like well this is i didn't i I'll be very honest with you. I never had any intention of working with cats um in all honesty, I'm allergic to cats uh so I never <laughs> had cats growing up. I'm allergic to the animals that we have here um i never had never had cats never even considered working with cats, but I thought, oh well, this is kind of a fun thing to do. Um, I didn't have to travel far because I already lived in Raleigh, so that wasn't going to be too much of an issue. Um, and I came here to do an internship and just thought I would get some really cool experience. Um, and once I was here, I I fell in love. Uh, and then when my internship, literally the day that my internship ended, I was offered a position as a uh, keeper, and I immediately took it. And so I started the day after my internship ended, I started here as a keeper. Um and then things have progressed from there. So I, this is now, I've been here now for 18 and a half years, um, made my way kind of up through the ranks. I was a animal keeper for a number of years, and then I was the lead keeper for a number of years. Um, and then our curator of animals left, um, and I offered to kind of step in as the, as the interim curator and, you know, kind of help things along. But after a time of being in that position, they offered me the curator position, and I took it. Um and so yeah, so I've been out been here now for eighteen years uh working with animals that I'm allergic to. But <laughs> we we are a no contact facility, so it's not too big of an issue because I can't actually uh pet the tigers or anything along that line. And so most of the time I I don't have any problems except when we're doing like veterinary procedures, then I then I have to take some medication, but um but otherwise I just kinda of fell in love with the mission of Carolina Tiger Rescue. Um It was amazing to watch these animals uh, come here from all sorts of different circumstances um, and then get to really enjoy their lives here at Carolina Tiger with not only fantastic animals, but really great people as well. Um, So, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up here.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So uh, I wish I had known about the internship opportunity because (laughs) it certainly sounds a lot more fun than uh, some of the business ones I've done, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> that that's very cool. Uh well actually for those that aren't aware, uh what is Carolina Tiger Rescue? So
1: Carolina Tiger Rescue is a big cat sanctuary um located in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. And basically we have been in operation next year will actually be our forty five years of, wow, of being here I had no at idea. Carol- I know, forty five years. It's been a long time. Um and we basically provide homes for animals that are in need of lifelong homes. So these are animals that came from facilities that were closing down, um, coming from individuals who owned them as pets, and then realized um, that the 600-pound tiger that they had, or even the 35-pound serval that they have in their home, uh, is no longer making quite the wonderful pet that they had hoped they uh, sure. are now in need of a place for them to live. And so we we're offering lifelong homes for those animals. And then we're also really actively involved in educating the public about the issues that these wild animals face, uh, both in captivity in the wild. Um, And so some of the species that we house include um, tigers, lions, cougars, bobcats, um, some lesser-known species like caracals, ocelots, servals, kuatamundes, and kinkajous. um, But it's a variety of um, particularly carnivores, but also some other exotic wildlife, um, particularly things like the kuatis and kinkajous that people think make great pets because they're tiny and little, um, and then they realize they're also very bitey. (laughs) <laughs> um, and don't make the great pets that they had hoped.
0: And they're actually wild. So, yeah, actually, I and, yeah. because um, it's, it's called, obviously, Carolina Tiger Rescue, but there's a lot more to it than just tigers. It's really just wild cats and then some yeah. others, right?
1: Yeah. And, um, the Carolina Tiger, thing, Carolina Tiger Rescue came about when we were trying to figure out how to rebrand ourselves. It, it, the first name, Carnivore Preservation Trust, didn't really tell anybody who we were or what we did, Um, When you say Carnivore Preservation Trust over the phone, you then had to spell it because people weren't expecting it. And so we were trying to find a different way to brand ourselves so that people would know who we were when they heard our name. Um, And so the Carolina made sure you knew kind of where we were. The tiger, because the tigers are probably our most iconic animals that we rescue. Um, And so they're at least familiar. Um, And then the fact that we are a rescue um, kind of filled out that name. So, yeah, so it went from Carnivore Preservation Trust that nobody knew what it was, to Carolina Tiger Rescue, and now we just have to remind people that we uh, we do take in more than just tigers.
0: Right. So the, you mentioned two animals. One was the uh, – gosh, I'm going to botch this name, but it's uh, a so – It's a coatamundi? <laughs> no, you're yeah, totally
1: that's, yeah, co- yeah, it looks
0: like coat and the, Yeah, exactly. So, yep, the, so what yeah, kind, of, like what coat kind coat of animal is
1: yep. that? So this is a little – these guys are a little funny animal. Um, They are not particularly well-known, which is uh, not particularly unusual for some of these guys. Um, But they kind of look like large ferrets. So like our our two kuatamundes, one is about 12 pounds, the other one is about 24 pounds. So they're bigger than like a ferret. But they kind of have that same body profile. Um, And the really interesting thing about watching the way that they interact with their world is that their nose, the tips of their nose, are prehensile, so they are able to move around. So they can actually move their nose around almost like a trunk of an elephant, that same oh, wow. kind of concept. It's much shorter, like it's not as long as a trunk, but that they have the ability to root around because they like to root up insects and such um, in, in the ground, in the wet ground. And so they have this nose to be able to kind of root around and and, and root up uh, different types of bugs and stuff to eat um, in the wild. Uh, and then the other kind of lesser-known guy that we have are kinkajous, um, and those guys look kind of like small, tan monkeys, but they are not related to monkeys at all. Um, they are oh, in, okay. uh, in the family carnivora, and um, but they kind of look like little, tan monkeys. They're about 8 to 10, maybe 12 pounds, but kind of their heaviest. Um, and those guys are arboreal, which means they spend the vast majority of time um, up in the trees. And they also actually have a prehensile tail, so that, that same – that same adaptation that allows them to be able to grab a hold of branches with their tail when they're making their ways around uh, looking for I, food.
0: Well, it's an adorable name. Uh, but I was looking—I <laughs> was looking at the um, what it looks like. You know, a couple images online. It looks like a mix of a bat, a monkey, um, <laughs> and, and kind of like a lemur. And it looks uh, there are some pictures where it's—you know snarling. It's—it's it's, it's a very small animal, but they look a little scary. Um, um, yeah.
1: Well, and that's. Well, that's the issue with small animals is that people most of the time get small animals and think, well, if they're small, then they're manageable because, you know, I'm bigger than they are and so I can right. I can manage, you know, something smaller than, than I am. The problem is, is that especially with animals like kinkages, um, is that because they are small, they uh, are very quick to be defensive, which means if you do anything to startle them, if you do anything to irritate them, their first instinct is to bite. That's That's their first instinct is because that's all they can do. You know, they are well aware that they are smaller than you, which means if you go aggressive against them, they're in trouble. And so their first instinct is to bite and get you to leave them alone. Um, And so unfortunately, even though they are our smallest residents, uh, they can also be kind of the most dangerous. You know, this this is a little arboreal animal, so it's used to running around in trees, which means running up and down you is not a problem at all. Um, mm-hmm. They have really long claws because they are living up in the trees, uh, and they have very, um, although they be tiny, very mighty little teeth that they are more than happy to uh, to sink into anything that they can to get you to let them go um, or to leave them alone. And so, uh, unfortunately, tiny, but um, but but not the most friendly creatures that you sure. want to necessarily be snuggling with.
0: Like you said, they're they're biting. So <laughs>
1: they are. Um, yeah, no, they really are. That's that's just their nature.
0: So you said um, you mentioned bobcats, cougars, ocelots, tigers, lions, jaguars, cheetahs. Are there multiple of every species, or just kind of you know it varies from year to year?
1: Yeah. So the so the residents that we have um, on site kind of varies depending on almost feels like the month. Um, so as of, like right now currently we have one leopard, um, but in the past we've had multiple leopards. Um, tigers are certainly probably one of the more popular animals that we get because people um, get them for pets or are part of an exhibit, um, and when those facilities or when those people then need to rehome them, you know, they come our way. So tigers are certainly probably one of our our more popular animals that come in. Um, And and then it just kind of depends. So right now we have three kinkajous. For a very long time we only had two because kinkajous are kind of a, a more unusual animal to have. Um, until one was found in somebody's backyard here in North Carolina. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, she was found, and this woman knew, didn't know what she was, but she knew that she didn't belong in North Carolina, and so she called Animal Control, and she had managed to get it caught in a trash can, like a big like recycling kind of trash can that you would roll out for the road. Um, she caught her in there, and thankfully Animal Control that showed up actually knew what a kinkajou was, and so she looked at it and said, oh, Oh, you have a kinkajou? Yes, she does not belong here. And so she called and said, "Oh, we have this kinkajou." And all I could think was, "It's not a kinkajou. Nobody knows what a kinkajou is." Right, I'm sure right. this is going to be a raccoon or something. You know, I was like, "I don't, I don't actually believe this." So she sent me a picture, and I, sure enough, it was a kinkajou. And so my guess is this was probably somebody's pet, um, you know. And then they, and then she either got out on her own or they let her loose because she was getting aggressive and hard to handle um, and didn't know what to do with her. Um, Most people have this kind of impression that if you have these wild animals, if it turns into a problem, you're just going to call the local zoo and they'll take your animals. Um, But that's really not the case. Zoos most often not are not going to take somebody's private pet um, because they're doing things like breeding and they want to make sure that they have, you know, sound genetics that they're breeding. Um, And they're just, they're not, That's not what they were designed to do. You know, zoos were not designed to be a rescue.
0: Um, That was another question I have. um, I guess the alternative, when people get these, for example, these cubs, and then they, oh, actually, they just gained a few hundred pounds. They're like, well, Mm -hmm. uh, we'll just give it up. And really, the alternative would be um, euthanization, right, or... Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So this yeah. is, that's the problem is that, so when tiger cubs are born, I get, I, people go, I don't understand why you get tigers as pets. Oh, I understand. Tigers are adorable. They're very cute as, as cubs. Right. Um, you think you're going to raise them, you know, by hand and then all of a sudden you're going to have this wonderful house pet. Um, and when that tiger's born, he weighs about two pounds. So tiny. Um, but by the time he's six months old, he's weighing 60 to 70 pounds, and by the time he's a year, he's weighing 100, 120 pounds, uh, and in the next <laughs> few years, you know, he's going to put on another two, 300 pounds. Um, and so what was, what was tiny and little and manageable has now gotten very big, and if anybody has had a six-month-old kitten in their house, um, you know six-month-old kittens get into trouble, and I can assure you a six-month-old tiger is no different. Um, You know, they want to climb everything and chew everything and bite everything and, you know, do all the things that kittens do. Um, And unfortunately, there really are not many other options uh, once somebody has decided, gosh, you know, I don't want to have this animal either living in my house, which is a terrible idea, or they're now just living in, you know, a small dog run out in their backyard and now they need to place them. Um, zoos are not going to take them in, you know, zoos are really designed to have you know, one or two tigers, they're not designed to have 15 tigers, Um, and so there really are very few options once you have gotten to the point where where you are needing to place an animal Uh, sanctuaries are are certainly the place that are are more likely than not um, going to have to take in that responsibility for the rest of that tiger's life.
0: Right, that makes sense. So who who are these people getting tigers and lions? Because certainly if I were to want to go out um today, well one, I probably couldn't afford it. Um and then two, I don't <laughs> even know where to buy one. So you know, who are right. these people in North Carolina that are um trying to give away these tigers and wildcats?
1: Yeah, so the unfortunate truth is is that you know, in this in this age of Google, uh it's not that hard to find tigers. Um, not that hard to find tiger cubs. You can buy them. Relatively inexpensively. um I know people who have spent more on, you know, designer dogs than they have than, than you would have to pay for a tiger cub. Wow. Because um, what happens is if you're breeding tigers, um you know, the mom goes into heat. You breed her. You know, 90 days later, you've got cubs that are born. Even if you leave them with her for a few weeks to let the the cubs, you know, grow and nurse like they're supposed to. Um, as soon as you pull those tiger cubs away, she'll go back into heat another six weeks, and you can have another litter of cubs um, that comes, you know, wow. a few months down the road. So if you're breeding to be able to sell them, you can actually, you know, turn over tiger cubs pretty quickly. Um, hmm. And it's not that hard to get, and North Carolina is one of the few states in the United States that still has no laws regulating big cat ownership. Um it, there are laws in North Carolina that go by county or by by cities um but there's nothing statewide that has any any indication of whether or not you have to have a permit or if they're banned outright um there's absolutely no statewide wow. regulation so um so we're one of the few in the country that that will still let you get away with that so unfortunately mm-hmm. in North Carolina you can still breed tigers and turn around and sell them um pretty easily uh you know, so, without without much fuss whatsoever.
0: Wow. So I, I had no idea. So are is Carolina Tiger Rescue the only place in North Carolina um that and maybe even South Carolina that would take in these wildcats or you know where's the nearest other uh facility that would do the same things you would do?
1: Gotcha. So there certainly are other places in North Carolina. Like we certainly have other small zoos and those such um that would take in uh tigers. Um, when you start getting into having a federally defined sanctuary, um, we're one of the few on the East Coast. So there are a couple that are in Florida, um, and then we do have some sister organizations that we work with um, in, like, Minnesota, uh, in um, Arkansas, in California. Um, there are certainly places throughout the United States, um, but we're pretty scattered out there. Um, and part of the issue is that, you know, you've had this tiger cub for, let's say, year, maybe two years. Now the sanctuaries then have that responsibility of owning these animals for another, somewhere between 15 and 18 years after that. Um, And they get more expensive as they get older.
0: Gotcha. Uh, Well, I wanted to get into kind of what a normal day looks like for you. So you've been there 18 and a half years, um, so you're probably Mm -hmm. one of the more experienced ones, and your, your job roles change over the years, but... What does a normal day look like for you? You know, when I imagined originally, I was thinking, "Oh, she comes in and plays with tigers all day," but obviously, that's not the case. So,
1: you know, no, what, what does it yeah. look like? So, the, the a typical day at Caroline Tiger Rescue can be um, it can vary greatly. It can be very monotonous for a very long period of time, and we kind of do our same our same things every day. Um, our animal care staff is obviously responsible for caring for the animals that we have here on site, and so that is. You know, feeding, butchering, uh, cleaning up from feeding, getting waters changed out, doing enclosure cleaning, um, doing uh, enrichment for the animals, which is where we're basically taking toys out for the animals. Um, You know, these are daily activities that they go through Uh, in addition to their kind of normal activities like caring for the animals. Um, our keeper staff is obviously responsible for all of the, the paperwork that is that goes on with taking care of animals. So they're filling out all the files on the animals to make sure that we can uh, keep good records on them and know how their health status is going. Um, but they also will be responsible for doing educational things. So they help with tours when needed. Um, they do tours themselves. Um, we call them feeding with the keeper tours where uh, the public can come and go out with the keepers when they are feeding the animals. And we'll learn about the the different species that we care for uh, during that feeding. Um, My day can vary a lot. Um, So I work very closely with our veterinarian. Uh, Dr. Angela Lassiter is our on-site veterinarian who's here two days a week and then on call as we need to. Um, And so we're making decisions about the health of the animals and any changes that we need to make. Um, And then as the, the curator, I'm basically in charge of all of the animal care decisions. And so it's heating schedules and cleaning schedules that I help with. Um, it's training new staff as we get new keepers and such in. Um, and then as assistant director, I also am in charge of the rest of program, which basically means that our construction coordinator um, works with me as well as our volunteer coordinator uh, and our education director all work under me. And so uh, my days are juggling are a lot of different people and making sure that we are getting our message out there and uh, and doing effective work uh, for Caroline Sager.
0: Yeah, it sounds uh, very easy. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a lot. <laughs> so, uh, well, that's, well that's and awesome. you know, and so, you're working
1: with animals. Part of what we run into is that you're working with animals, which they change our schedules. You know, at a at a drop of a hat, they will change our schedules. You know, we think that we have a plan in place of what we're going to be doing in a day, um, and then if an animal decides that you know today is the day that they're sick. Um, we have to drop our plans and we, you know, make arrangements to care for them. Um, right. And sometimes rescues come in that quickly that, you know, we'll get a call that um, there's a tiger that needs to be picked up and we've got 24 hours. And so it's getting all the logistics together and getting out there and getting those animals cared for.
0: So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, for sometimes visit.
1: it changes quickly.
0: Wow. So you kind of have your hand in everything. Um, that, that's really cool. Uh, for someone yeah. that... For someone that is coming to CTR maybe for the first time, so maybe you can describe to the listener what a typical uh, typical experience would look like. So let's say I come in, I park, I walk in. what happens next?
1: Gotcha. So you're gonna come into our our gift shop um, and by coming into our gift shop that is where you're going to be getting signed in. Um, so all of our guests that come out they do have to have do have to sign a release form, and the release form is just basically letting them know that you know we do have wild and dangerous animals. Um, you know, we do want everybody to be paying attention, um, and so they'll find that release form, and then they'll go into our education center, and they'll wait there for our entire group to get together. Um, so we are not a facility that you can come and just walk around. You actually have to be out with one of our trained tour guides. Um, and so that's where this whole, you know, you're going to come and, and wait in the education center for our group to get together. Um, our group gets together, our tour guides, which are some of our most wonderfully trained volunteers. Are um, they going to give you a little bit of history about Carolina Tiger. Uh, they're going to go over some safety rules just so that everybody is on the same page and knows what to expect. And then they're going to lead them out into the sanctuary. And so you go through um, a, a, a door that has a lock on it um, so that you walk through with our train tour guide. Uh, and they're going to stop at different enclosures and tell you about the personal stories of these animals, so how they came to be at Carolina Tiger Rescue. Um, they may have some really fun antidotes to, um, to share about the, about the cats uh, that you're going to see. And then they're going to tell you about the issues that these guys face in captivity in the wild. And so they're going to talk about pet trade and and why this is a problem for tigers. And they're going to talk about um, palm oil farming uh, that goes on in some of these guys' natural habitats that are destroying uh, the the wild populations of these animals. Um, So you'll be walking around our sanctuary. It is unpaven, uh, gravel and grass. Uh, you'll be walking along for about an hour and a half to two hours long, uh, meeting a bunch of different animals. Now, I will tell you that, as I mentioned before, animals kind of do what they want to do. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we can't make any guarantees that any of these guys are going to come up. Um, but most of them really enjoy having the tourists come through. And so they'll come up and they'll chat with you um, and <laughs> allow the tour guys to to talk about, you know, what's going on with them. Um, uh, but sometimes the animals decide that they don't want to come up. Perhaps they just had a great big meal and they've decided to go nap in the sun somewhere, um, and we, we aren't going to make the animals come up. It's really up to them on whether or not they want to come um, actually up to the edges of their enclosures to to greet the tour guests or not. Um, but like I said, most of them are very excited to see all the people, um, and will come up and say hi and then eventually go back to, to taking their naps. Um, so like I said, it's about an hour and a half walking tour. Then you'll come back up to the house, and our tour guides will wrap up with you and let you know kind of how you can help both in your daily life and how you can get involved with Carolina Tiger Rescue. Uh, and then you're free to go about and maybe uh, go have some great lunch here in town in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah. Well, that, that, that all sounds very cool. I'll have to visit soon. So maybe um, for the listener, any, anything exciting happening at CTR soon? I saw something about a uh, the 2018 Black Tie and Tails Ball.
1: Um, yeah, so, yeah, that is our major fundraising event. Uh, we do this every year. This will be our 11th fall, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's our 11th. Um, it'll happen the last Saturday in February, so February 24th um, at the Washington Duke Inn. So this is, to me, this is kind of a funny experience for us because at Caroline Tiger Rescue, when you come in, we're very rustic. You know, it's not fancy. It's not paved. Mm-hmm. Um, it. You know, we... We live a pretty simple life. We're, you know, a relatively small nonprofit. But then you come to our ball, and our ball is held at Washington Duke Inn, which is gorgeous, you know, already. Um, But we get to put on this really fancy event, and we all get to dress up and wear these fancy clothes. Um, And you'll see our volunteers who we see every day in, you know, jeans and and stained T-shirts and, you know, rain boots. And now here they are dressed up in ball gowns with their hair done and their makeup on and uh-huh. um, wearing their suit and tie. And you're like, wait, who, who are you? I don't who think i are you?" you. <laughs> yeah. And so we all get to get together uh, and we have uh, a really good party at Washington Duke uh, with great food. And then we have a silent auction and a live auction that our guests get to participate in. Um, and then we have games and other activities for our guests to be involved with as well. Um, and so, yeah, so it's just kind of a big, it's a big party, and we have a, we have a great deal of fun um, uh, uh, for our ball. And this raises money uh, not only just for general operating, but then we also will have a what we call a fund-a-cause, um, and that is an ability for people to donate towards a specific cause. Um, and so this year we're actually going to be donating money towards our um, kawati and Kingaju. We're going to be doing some winter habitats for them, um, which will be kind of like outdoor shelters, Um, so that we can – I should back up. Right now, during the winter, the kinkages actually come inside and we have indoor enclosures for them um, because they can't handle the cold very well. Um, And so we're hoping to be able to leave them outside in their outside enclosures and just have um, these shelters built for them uh, so that they can stay out year around and they can just decide whether or not they want to come out in the weather or not. Um, And so we're going to be raising money to be able to build those habitats. Um, So, yeah, so this is a really great – Fundraising opportunity and a and a fun time to get together uh, that is very different from your normal uh, experience at Carolina Tigers.
0: Sounds really cool, <clears throat> and I, I wish I'd known about it sooner. I would have signed up for it. Is there um, what other ways can people get involved at Carolina Tiger Rescue? Oh,
1: uh, so there's a million ways to get involved. So um, you certainly can, um, you know, just come out to volunteer. So we have volunteer opportunities that are either short term or long term. Uh, We have animal care volunteers. For that, you have to be able to um, commit four hours a week uh, for up to a year uh, to be able to participate in that. We also have seasonal animal care volunteers that come out four hours a week, but the commitment is only for six months. Um, Our tour guides are part of our volunteers. Uh, That is another way to get involved. Um, I always think it's funny. We'll have people that, that come to be a tour guide and then they're really nervous about talking in front of people. And I'm like, oh, but this is very different than talking in front of people. This is just sharing information about something that you already are really passionate about.
0: Right? Um, right it's right.
1: very easy to do a tour when you're very excited about what you're doing. In college, when you had to do it about the subject that you didn't really care about, not nearly as much fun as coming out here and talking about tigers with a tiger standing behind you. Um, <laughs> I guess, you know, let's be Uh, And we also have people that come out and help with our construction crew, Um, and so they're out uh, two two shifts uh, per month. They'll come out and help with construction. So those are long-term volunteers. We also have short-term volunteer groups that will come out, so local businesses, uh, local civic groups, college groups, kind of you name it. uh, will come and sign up to be able to come out and work for a day, Uh, so that doesn't require any commitment other than that day um, itself. Um, we also have membership opportunities, uh, which is which gives you uh, free tours to be able to come in and see the animals, um, but it also kind of keeps you in the loop. Uh, so our, our, our volunteers, our members, and our adoptive parents are all part of our Carolina Tiger Rescue family, uh, and so that helps keep you in the loop of things that are going on. We send out emails um, when there's exciting news going on um, so that you're kind of the first to know before we post it anywhere else. It goes out to our family. Um, So those are our members. And then we have adoptive parents. So our adoptive parents um, are actually helping to support a specific animal out here at Carolina Tiger Rescue. Um, And it's just another way to kind of get involved with that that Carolina Tiger Rescue family. Um, And even beyond what people can do for us, you know, what we really want people doing is sharing information. Um, So we really want people to come out and learn uh, and then be able to share that information and get our mission out um, and, and help us protect these animals, um, both here in captivity, but also, you know, doing work to help protect them in the wild.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for sharing about that. So, all right. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question, and then I'm going to kind of rapid fire questions for you. So, okay. Uh, I yeah. ask, okay. So I, I ask this of every person that comes kind on of the, uh, the podcast, but how? And you've already answered this, but how are you transforming the 919?
1: So I would say not only is it that we're sharing information about these incredible animals, but we're also giving people a way to get involved. Um, I really see it a lot with our volunteers. We have multiple volunteers that have said, Carolina Tiger has changed my life. And it's because they're not only working with wonderful animals, but they're working with a really great group of people um, and creating these really great friendships, um, you know, that you may not have otherwise you know, found. You have sacraments and you have retirees and you have college students that are all out here working together um, with a with a shared purpose. And so, That's it's awesome. not just the fact that we're caring for these animals, but it's also giving the people an opportunity to get together as well.
0: Very good. All right. Rapid fire questions. Ready? Okay. All right. Uh, Most dangerous encounter with an animal.
1: Oh, Uh, kinkajous, uh because <laughs> they're tiny and little and bitey and can climb.
0: It all comes back to the kinkatoos. (laughs) It does. Closest you've ever been with an animal as far as trust and your relationship with them? Uh,
1: So I don't trust – I want to preface – I don't trust any of the animals that we have out here. I respect the fact that they're wild animals. I do trust the team that I have um, when it comes to working around them.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Scariest animal to work with? (laughs) Kinkajou? Kinkajou. I know.
1: We're right back on to Kinkajou. <laughs> Kinkajou, uh, just because of how quickly they can access you, the tigers have a lot of power. So you got to appreciate the fact that that's a lot of power packed into that animal.
0: Sure. All right. Easiest animal to work with?
1: Uh, the cooties. cooties. I have be easiest. They, yeah, they look, they, they look they definitely. Yeah, they definitely are, They tend to be a little easier going, except for the fact that it's really hard to get medication into them. So that part's not quite as easy.
0: Okay, dumbest thing you've seen a visitor do while at Carolina Tiger Rescue?
1: Um, the dumbest thing that I've seen somebody do, I would say, oh, here we go. So tigers, to mark their territory, spray, which basically they're spraying urine behind them. The dumbest thing I watch people do is using their small children as shields. <laughs> That's pretty dumb. Like, it's just yours. Oh. It's not going to be the end of the world. Stop using your kids as shields.
0: <laughs> My gosh. All right, uh, cutest animal as a baby.
1: Uh, Benturongs. We don't have them now. We used to have them. Look them up on the Internet. They're adorable. Absolutely the cutest things in the world.
0: <laughs> we'll have to, for sure. All right. Well, Catherine, thank you for all the work you're doing to raise awareness for Wildcats and beyond and, of course, Kinkajous. but uh, thank you for being on the 919.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Sure thing. That was Catherine Bertok telling us about Carolina Tiger Rescue. You can find out more about the organization by visiting the website, carolinatigerrescue.org. If you like the pod, let me know by leaving a five-star rating and connecting with the show via Twitter and Facebook at the 919 Podcasts. Thanks for listening.